And now, the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brandon Staten and Tyler Hansbro. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. Sad day, uh, but still a great day. Uh, this is Sleep Dog with the Big Hulk. What's up, everybody? Uh, it's the Big Hulk. Uh, excited about giving you guys a great podcast. Uh, we're going to recap a lot of things, uh, see what do we have to do to get into the tournament? Are we in, we're out? I think everyone knows. Uh, I hate that question, but I think everyone knows where we stand. Uh, so we'll break it down for you and sleep. I'm ready for a great podcast. Yeah, great podcast. Not necessarily a great night last night for the heels. Me and Big Hawk, we were both there. A lot of other people there. Everybody's watching and uh, just could not seem to find a bucket all night when we needed it. Uh, lost to Duke. Lost to a, as I will get into at least, a piss poor Duke team. Uh, I didn't think they were very good. I thought they I thought they played well at times and I was actually impressed by um, some of the things I didn't realize about them defensively. I thought they played well defensively, but I just could not get away from the fact of like, dude, a good Carolina team would have beat these guys by a dozen. A great Carolina team would have beat them by 50. So is it really disappointing to know that you had a, had a, yet another chance uh, late there and, and couldn't get it done? But we'll talk about you know what our thoughts are in particular there. We'll get into some of the uh, conference postseason awards, uh, what I think, more importantly, what Big Hawk thinks uh, the awards might shake out like. Uh, we'll answer some questions. Do, is there any way? Like, we don't win the ACC championship. Is there any way in for the heels? We'll answer that question. We'll answer, ask the question about what in the hell is going through John Morant's head and probably talk about a few other things. But let's get down to business, Big Hawk. Everybody wants to know it, man. What happened last night? Um, and where do we go from here? Oh, boy. That was a tough one, guys. Um, yeah, I, I think walking into the building, sleep, you were in the house. And walking into the building, it felt electric. Oh, yeah. Like, that was one of the best uh, environments that I've been to recently at a, you know, I've been to a lot of Duke UNC games. Um, that that environment was was great. And the reason was because we, we felt like we were starting to peak. Every I, everyone, every Carolina felt very confident going into this game. And we still, we talked about, we play best with our backs against the wall. So I'm, painting the picture of what I was going through the day. I was like, yeah, I can't wait for this game. Can't wait for this game. I walk in the building. The crowd is just filling it. They're bringing it. And I got to give people at the Dome credit, man. They did a great job with uh, the music, the intros, uh, hyping the fans up. Man, I was ready to go sleep. I was ready to run through a wall. And man, I, I really felt like we we went down to the wire with them. Yep. And I mean, it's a three, three point game with under a minute left could have gone our way. We, we didn't get the benefit of the doubt with the whistle mm. on some, but that's not the reason why we lost. Yeah. And I've been pretty critical of the officials. We didn't lose last, last night because of the officials. I'll make that statement clear. Um, boy, sleep. I, I would tell you the biggest X factor that I saw last night was Duke had one dominant player and that was Kyle Filipowski. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't think he plays like an average freshman. And I got to be a hundred percent honest. He was savvy. He took his time. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't really have an answer for him. And Leaky Black is one of the best defenders in the country. Filipowski is just too much bigger than him. And, you know, I, I don't know, you know, Pete got in foul trouble. Uh, so that once he kind of went down, that was our guy with a lot of size. It could really kind of move with them and contest them. But I, I just... I just thought he dominated the game and he hit big shots when they needed him. Uh, the three late in the game uh, where Leakey helped out on the ball screen, he popped and drilled it. That that to me was 
kind of the the changing factor. And also, I think there was a play early in the first half. No, it was in the second. I remember there sitting there. Uh, there was a just an offensive rebound. The ball was tipped a couple times. Filipowski gets it and he takes a dribble, takes his time, and just goes up and crushes it on mm-hmm. everybody, mm-hmm. and then starts screaming down the court. That was a veteran, experienced, savvy play. I mean, the guy has two hands, uh, good footwork, scores with both hands. I thought he played unbelievable. That's my first time seeing him in person. I don't want to put him in Springfield just yet, but I thought he really dominated the game. I thought we had a chance. Uh, obviously, you know, we've been at it all year. I didn't think our shot selection was all that great at times. So we took some bad shots, but you know, that's been a constant every year, every, every game this year. Uh, we could point that out, but, uh, do came into play. And to me, I feel like, you know, I know you feel different. I feel like Duke is peaking at the right time. And I know I've been critical of Shire, but I thought he's done a good job recently. They've won six games in a row coming in. They're pick, they're peaking. They've been dealing with a lot of injuries. They have a young squad. Uh, they've gotten people from the portal. It's a whole different team. Um, Roach has been hurt most of the year. So I, I thought he did a good job managing that and then has them playing very well. I think they're capable of, of making a run. I think, this year, if you look across the landscape of college basketball, it's wide open. You can't sit here and tell me that Houston is the number one overall. So you can't tell me a team in the American Conference is the number one overall seed. They have a quad three loss. Anybody can beat anybody this year. And I don't think a non-tournament team to me could beat a number one seed. Call me crazy or not, but that's just the way this year is. There's no dominant team running college basketball, period. Uh, but you know, back to your question, Duke came in. I thought Filipowski was a difference. Uh, we had some plays late to maybe pull it out, but we didn't execute and make those. Well, my only pushback on the Houston comment is that I'm pretty sure I don't know what quad old St. Mary's was in back in 05, but you know, I just I, I don't I don't I don't take as much away from that as, as, as you do. And I think that there are a few good teams and I don't think Duke's one of them. Um, here's, here's what I saw last night. I look, I, I, I agree with you on Filipowski. Like I wouldn't have agreed with you in the immediate aftermath of the game. I would have told you that I don't like him and he's a bitch and all this sort of stuff. But you know, you sit down, you take emotion out of it. You kind of reflect back on what you saw that one spin move in the post. I think he put it on Armando. I mean, he just cooked him and that's not a slight on it. I mean, that was an NBA caliber move from a guy, his size. It was incredible. Uh, played uses his size. Well, uses it responsibly on defense. You know, he's very under control, not a lot of getting off his feet and out of position and getting into foul trouble. There was a lot of lot of lot of play under the basket last night. So um I I felt like I'm agree with you again wholeheartedly. Refs did not cost us. I mean, we got a few uh whistles when when Filipowski got to the line late, I think it was less than four minutes to go. I was I was livid. I mean, that was a touch. I don't even think it was a foul, right? So, but fine. You know, there was a couple of ones. The other one that tripped me out was uh was the kid? Is it Roach? There, uh, the the kid that's the freshman, number five. Um, no, Roach was there last year. The, no, the, the play you Damn. might be talking about is Lively had four fouls. Right, Leaky was going to the basket. They did not call that fifth foul on him. The that, rest just true. said, "Hey, yep. we're, 
we're not going to foul him out. And I think that would have been a difference maker for us. Um, clearly to me, I was right there. It was a foul. They just Proctor, said, no, yeah. go ahead. Keep going. I agree. We're, yep. we're not going to, we're not going to call that foul on him because it's his fifth. If it was, if he had two fouls, you guarantee that uh-huh. Leaky's at the line shooting. That's yep. my qualm Yeah, is a foul is a foul. A foul is not determined by how many yeah. fouls a guy has. And again, we did not lose because of these refs. Not at all. But a constant has been, we'll, we'll criticize the refs here. No, you're damn and right. And that was a blown call. That was a blown call. And Pete didn't get the benefit of the dial on the whistles. The ref blew some blew some calls. Uh, there was one ref that, to me, got nervous. The stage was too big for him. I could tell he struggled. But then again, you know, we could have won this game without them. I mean, they didn't cost us a game. I'm going to go ahead and get the ref, ref rant out of here because I got two more things I want to say about the refs. One, you had that play with Tyrese Proctor, who's the same guy that took the flop when Traquavion Smith got the technical foul in NC State game a couple days ago, a couple weeks ago. Same exact situation here. He flops. They blow the whistle. They show the replay. It's like, come on, man. Like, for, I don't even put that on the refs. I put that on the player. That's a bitch move if you do that. All right. So take it, leave it, whatever you want. That's how Sleep Dog feels about it. This kid is already like, you know, m- quickly moving up my uh, chart of least like likable uh, Duke players among many. So it's a high bar. The other, the other thing I didn't agree with is the same ref where I think you're referring to at one point late in the game goes over to the end of our bench and like stares down our guys that are sitting down there, presumably because they're giving them the business for making a couple bad calls. It's like, dude, don't, don't come on, man. Like you got to stay professional here. Like you got to expect to be called if you miss something. So don't, uh, don't call these kids out, right? Like, come on, man. I, I thought that was a showboat move and like the referee's job is to stay out of the game. Again, reason why we lost that game is because we shot 30% of the field, like 27 from three. I mean, they were, they just couldn't throw the ball in the ocean, we continue to live and die by the three. And that's where I go back to, right? If this team shoots bad, Carolina shoots bad yesterday. They win the game. They shot just catastrophically miserable, like from the field. So they shoot poorly. They still win the game. They shoot well. I mean, it's a blowout. So that's kind of why I go back to like, hey, a great Carolina team or even a great Duke team. Like, I mean, these guys are just not on that stage. What I saw there was like an okay okay performance against an opponent that, and sure, maybe some of the poor field goal percentage, I do think Duke played great defense. I think they played, played, played really well, if you're being honest, but like they showed me nothing in that game yesterday other than, you know, they could squeak by an opponent that wasn't very good. And and Carolina wasn't very good last night. So it was still nonetheless, weirdly, very close, very fun. We were, I think at one point Duke got ahead by seven and you're sitting there like, all right, this could be where the wheels fall off. And next thing you know, we were right back in it. couple big shots. We hadn't got anything to fall. RJ hits a three. I think they go down and get a bucket. And then they come down and Pete hits a three. And it's all on our side of the court. So it's getting electric. It's getting fun. And then just just ran out of gas, you know, at the end. And um, and at this point, right, it begs the question. Obviously, if Carolina wins the ACC championship, which I, I think you got to be honest with yourself, is a long shot, right? Um Obviously, they make the tournament because you win the championship, you made the tournament. My question to you, I guess, is is there any conceivable way they make it without winning the tournament? No, they're not in. I agree. They're not in currently, and I don't think they get in if they don't win the ACC tournament. I'll be honest. And the reason I say that, that the perception, whether it's right or wrong, across all of college basketball is ACC is having a down year. And so it's it's really hard to put the number seventh team in the ACC into the tournament 
Um, it, it's hard to make that that case with how weak this team is. You know, weak this uh, this year in the ACC has been. I mean, the bottom half of the ACC is bad. Yeah, uh, I'm not necessarily. I can I could come I could formulate an argument saying that hey our top five we're 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 not that bad uh, top five six seven but the bottom is just horrendous yep and you could also make the case we have no quad three no quad four losses we only had one blowout uh, we've lost a lot of close games we haven't been great on the road uh, but you know it's hard to make that argument as the number seven team in the ACC standings but sleep I will push back. Is it impossible for this team to win the ACC tournament? The path is we're seventh seed. Obviously, we played uh, Wednesday night. We play the winner of number 10, Boston College, versus number 15, Louisville. We can win that. No question. We've beaten both teams. We, we win that one, in mm-hmm. my opinion. We play Thursday against Virginia. We play well against Virginia. We, we, we gave them a mm-hmm. run at Virginia without Armando. Jalen came in and had one of the best games uh, of any freshman in the history of freshmen. They barely beat us. We beat them at home easily. We could win that game. If we win that game, we get the winner of Clemson against NC State, Virginia Tech, or Notre Dame. We can win that game. Okay. And then we get to the finals, more than likely, coming from the other side. Now, ooh, I think who I think who would have to play is probably Miami or Duke. Yeah. That's just my guess. Um, both double buys. They'll be rested. Got to win two games to get there. If I were to pick, man, that that Duke-Miami is just going to be a great game to watch. It's going to be a battle. My my only fear is, is Miami big enough to handle Filipowski and Lively. Mm-hmm. And I think the young kid plays well, too. I think the young kid is a really good X factor. I think he's savvy. He's a fifth-year uh, transfer from Northwestern. I think he does things for a bench player that really helps Duke. Comes in, provides a great defensive effort. He can actually get you a bucket down low. Uh, he's been good for Duke all year, especially mm-hmm. when Lively's been out with injuries. We can actually, man, if we meet Duke in the ACC championship game, we can get him. We can get him. It's a compelling story. I don't care line. what anybody says. When you do the forensics, it's compelling. I mean, I do think that you can get there. I mean, guys, we can win this ACC tournament. I know we're all down in the dumps right now because we just got our ass beat by Duke. Um, And we did. We did. We deserve. We can feel the sadness because as fans, we brought it. We brought an electric atmosphere to the Dome last night. You guys did a great job. Everybody was pumped up for that. Um, And Duke fans, I want to caution you guys for you talk your smack. We smacked the shit out of you guys two times in a row last year. We took you mm-hmm. to the biggest stage uh, the rivalry has ever seen on the biggest stage. Uh, you guys said we didn't want to we didn't want to see you again after we beat your ass at Cameron on Kay's last home game we'll ever coach there. We, we backed that shit up twice in the final four. Mm. Keep coming at me. We ended Kay's career perfectly. He went out with the loss to his biggest rival ever. Mm. You can say whatever you want. Kay's been a great coach. He's done great things. One of the best coaches in college. But he ended with a loss to his rival. Never beat Carolina in Final Four, did he? Nope. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to hang our hats on that one for sure. Uh, and I'm with you, man. Uh, you know, I, I think um, I don't trust I don't trust him enough to see him getting it done. True. Dude, just being honest. However, when you start laying out the path, you know, it is not at all inconceivable. So I'm with you, man. Like, yeah, like you say, every time we start, I start usually going on about some crazy hypothesis, you know, you got to win them. You got to play one at a time. You got to win each one of them. And, you know, and, you know, you got this whole thing here where generally the tournament with the teams already locked up, 
they're going to be a little more, I, I, I'd say they're generally less, you know, aggressive at the top of the conference. These guys that already got it set, you know, Duke loves the ACC championship because they, they prey on that, right? They've always like, oh, we win the ACC championship. Well, bro, like we're, you know, 31 and two. We ain't that worried about it. We're going to rest up for the, for the, what matters. Right. But this year it does. I think it, I think it does matter. There's a lot of parody. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of different teams that could, could also in the same situation we're in, right. Probably on the outside looking in, go in and like solidify their case. NC state's a great example. Like they go in and, and make a run and thing. They're definitely in. I think they're still, I, I, I mean, if you ask me right now, I would think that they're in, but I don't know the the super details, they got to go in and win a couple games to sort of shore up their position. But so there's other people vying for the spot. And I think if you can make it through all that noise and get to the top with a couple of these guys that already got it, you know, uh, already looking ahead toward the tournament, um, you know, maybe you catch somebody sleeping or maybe you get hot, right? One way or the other, we'll take what we can get because you're trying to get there. So uh, we're probably going to have to go play on the dark side of the moon wherever our, uh, if we get in, <laughs> whatever the division they put us in, ain't going to be a cheap flight and probably ain't going to be like all that fun of a town to be in. So just prepare. Uh, but anything be more fun than NIT. So hope we get it together. But like I said, man, it's, it's a long shot and we got to start being real with ourselves as fans. Here's my question to you. All right. If this doesn't pan out, let's say we lose first, second game in the ACC tournament. Yeah. Would you take an NIT bid? I see. I'm not one of these guys. Like, do you come to college to play basketball? I mean, like, yeah, absolutely. If I'm Carolina, I would take too. an NIT bid. I would Why too. Not? I mean, if I, I would too. You are what you too. are. You know, and if yeah. you, if you, um, I think it's a great question because you hear a lot of people talk. I don't even though you're a fan. That's why you don't want to go to NIT, right? You come to college, you come to Carolina, you want to play basketball. And I said this mm -hmm. two, three pods ago, like you got five games left, four or five games left to really just soak this all in, right? So it's really at this point, you know, if you if you get an NIT bid, like it's, yeah, it's a bad look from the fan bases and people going to talk shit. Oh, you're an NIT or the year, you're, oh, you didn't make the NIT. Okay, fine. But these kids come to play basketball and, and a lot of them are on their last um you know, last run at it. So I think I think the school, right, absolutely owes it to the players to, uh, you know, I mean, I guess if you take a team vote or something, I don't know how you would know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know how it goes. The team's like, nah, we don't want to go. All right, that's on them, right? This is, this is a team decision. But if it's a school's decision, then absolutely you take the... I think it's a school's decision. I'm not yeah. sure on that, but I don't know how that process works. Yeah. I've never been part of it, <laughs> but uh, I will yeah, say I think that you take it. if you got to take it, I, I agree. You, you take it... Um, yeah, you come to school to play basketball. Uh, it's an opportunity as a team to maybe see, maybe use some of the the guys on the bench a little bit, you mm -hmm. know, or you know, mix it up. Uh, but uh, yeah, I would definitely take it. And who knows, man? Maybe this team. We talked a lot about the expectations and pressure. And look, man, some people are cut for that cloth, and some people aren't. Some people wish they were, and probably aren't. Some people say they are, and maybe behind closed doors they aren't. I don't know if this team is or team isn't. I don't know why we are in the situation we're in. But it would be fun if all the pressure's off. And these kids just click in the NCAA or in the NIT and just get to play great basketball for three or four more games, like, and just play great. And we'd all yeah. be like, well, why the hell that, <laughs> you know, I didn't happen six months ago. So, I mean, you know, anything could happen. I think you just have to be, you know, relative so, in your expectations. So, so you brought that up and that's a great, that's a great point. Do you think pressure played a factor on these kids on this team? I think it did. And here's, here's how, um, I think what happened, and I think you would see it in 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 micro doses, uh, as is buzzword these days. Um, I think you would see. I think a lot of those forced shots, a lot of the bad shot selection, a lot of this, that, and the other is 
they felt so much pressure to win that I I think that it it caused them to sort of fall out of and and I think great teams trust their system. They trust their players, they trust their coaches, the teammates and and the schemes and all that sort of stuff. There were times even in this game and throughout the season where I look and the players there's a ball at the top of the key and there's kind of four guys looking around and I saw a lot of it you know last night where the coaches are like move. I just say move <laughs> and then all of a sudden these guys start kind of moving around but not moving with purpose, you know, slow to come off of a screen or they're not sharp in their cuts or their screens or what have you. And, you know, I think that it's hard to sort of put into words, but it manifests, this pressure manifests into, oh, we got behind five. All right. And we got to, we got to catch up. All right. Cause we, we, now we've, we've lost a couple and we, we hear what everybody says on Twitter and God, we losing it. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know if there's like one Thing you can pinpoint, but I just think it all snowballs. And then once you start losing a couple games, you start shooting poorly. It's you, you kind of like it's, I guess, like having the yips, right? Like all of a sudden, guys we know can make shots, don't make shots. <laughs> um, and so I think that's how it's not, you know, it's not in this. I don't, I don't think of it in the way as like, you know, you're down two, no time on the clock, you get fouled, you got to make two free throws. Like that's pressure that like not everybody can handle. And that's not what I mean by saying that the pressure affected these guys. I don't, I don't view it that way. I just think that it was a problem that, you know, kind of seeped into their heads and then sort of snowballed on them and got out of hand. I mean, we saw them run last year. The question I constantly ask myself is like, what was the team last year? Were we Cinderella? And because it said North Carolina on our jerseys, everybody said, ah, finally, they just figured it out. Was our team really that good last year or did we get hot and we go like like Valparaiso back in the days and stuff, right? Maybe Mm -hmm. we just weren't that good and that's okay. I mean, you have teams that just aren't legendary teams and maybe we got hot and the shooter shot and made baskets and we went on a run and, and, and Mm -hmm. who we are this year is, is maybe like, Hey, we've, we lost a lot of close games. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe we were just average or a little above average. and, And when we were hot, we were, we were good. So that's the thing I think that that fans are always going to have a really hard time with is how do you go from the national championship game to this? And mm-hmm. the answer is maybe <laughs> the flip side, which is how do you take this to the national championship game? And maybe we should all just be a lot more thankful for that run and how fun it was than than critical of, um, you know, the kind of disappointment that we felt in the mm-hmm. aftermath this year. Yep. And so here we go. I'll uh, I'll cover some of this pressure. That was a question. I wanted to get your opinion on it to start. <clears throat> I think the pressure did play a factor. I think NIL had an effect. I think uh, this is what you're going to see from big-time programs. And the reason I say that is because when kids made mistakes, I felt like it had a lingering effect. I felt like you know there was a hangover from a turnover, a hangover from a missed shot. And the mindset you want to have is, okay, I made a mistake. Okay, now next play, best play. Let's not let one mistake uh, – you know, cause an avalanche effect. Okay. Okay. You make a mistake. It's going to happen. Let's move on. Let's uh, next play is going to be our best play attitude. And the other thing is I think kids with this NIL stuff, they want to play because they know there's opportunities. They know there's money, sponsorships, all this stuff. And this is the business side of basketball. And I've seen it in the professional level is where you know, young kids will put pressure on themselves, especially, and not a lot of people are, you know, it is something new. 
And to manage that type of pressure is a whole new ball game because what you're doing is you're not staying focused on the now. You're focusing on the the future and what could be. Mm-hmm. And that's a big issue. Uh, you got to handle the task at hand in the this moment, you must be present. Mm-hmm. And one of the the best answers I've ever heard to somebody talking about pressure, a reporter asked Kobe one time, it was a big shot. He took it. He was obviously covered. And it just shows you his mentality. And I, I don't really like saying the mama mentality because everyone's like, well, mama, mama. but this is like a great mindset. And Kobe mastered the middle game. Somebody said, Kobe, what happened if you would have missed that shot? And he said, so what? And it was just like a great answer because yeah, I missed it. So what? Mm-hmm. I, I what? Well, I missed the shot, and it, that is a great answer. And I'm and I'm not using that as an excuse to shoot selfish shots. What I am using it as, you've got to look at okay, you're going to miss shots, okay, but what can you do to help the team when you're on there and be present and stop like putting so much pressure on yourself to play uh, to unrealistic expectations. Mm-hmm. Listen, if you're a bench player, the best thing you can do is have a positive impact on the game. It doesn't matter how many minutes you get. When you get those minutes, come in, have a positive impact. And too many people are putting themselves in situations where if they don't score, they don't have a good game. Leaky Black's been a good example of somebody who's come out and really embraced a defensive role. Offensively, you're starting to see him come along a little bit. But what he did was he had a positive impact on the game, okay, from a defensive perspective. And then he started getting confidence in other areas. And I think he ended up, uh, you know, being a really good player when it was all said and done for us. And then you ask it, like, what was that team last year? And I always talk about this. You don't have to be a great team to start the year. All you have to do, uh, in my opinion, is be a great team at the end of the year. That's what it's all about. Making a deep tournament run, uh, peaking at the right moment, going through uh, situations that suck, losing, and handling those situations to make yourself better, to prepare yourself for the end. The end's the most important part. And I don't like when people talk about, oh, you guys were just a team that got hot during the tournament. That's the whole damn point. We want to be one yep. of these teams that gets hot during the tournament to me. Uh, and then, you know, how do we go from this year to next year or last year, whatever? Mm-hmm. I, I, you got to stay present, man. And I always say that you got to be able to block out the voices. Mm-hmm. This NIL and all these other, you know, all this other outside sponsorship, money, parents, uh, you know, fans, friends, your friends. I, they don't, their voices really don't matter until mm-hmm. the year's over. I mm-hmm. think you evaluate that. You talk to your friends and family when you're not in the season. And, uh, you know, I, I think, I don't know if that had an effect. I'm on the outside. I'm not trying to get, gather information or do an investigation, whatever. That's just my, my thoughts on that. Well, the NIL thing is super interesting to me because like I very rarely, because I have no business doing it in general, inject my own like sports playing experience into this. But I feel like I can... I can imagine what most what must happen because of my own experience. And what I mean by that is if the shit happened in my experience, I know it's got to be happening here, right? You obviously were on mm-hmm. a totally different side. For those of you on, I played junior college baseball for like two years. This is like, you ever seen Last Chance? You, like that's the type of show Sleep Dog was involved in. And what you had, now baseball is a little different because you got a lot more players on the roster, right? That are, you know, it's a, it's a hell of a lot harder to determine necessarily like, Who's better than the other? 
But in a game where the only thing you had to really worry about was sort of the politics of like, all right, maybe the coach gave this kid a scholarship and this kid didn't. So he kind of had to play this other kid. Right. And everybody's everybody's what next that you mentioned is like next level. Like for us, it was like you get into a division one program or the, I mean, we literally were 18 years old and delirious enough to think that like we had an opportunity to play in the big leagues. I mean, this is what kids think about every, almost every mm-hmm. kid on my team. And ev- now dude, none of us were any damn good. Okay. But that's what's going through your head. And so that was what you had to worry about. Now imagine that you're, you're, you think the coach isn't playing you is literally costing you money here and now, right? Hey, this guy's getting time and I'm not, and I can't capitalize because mm-hmm. I'm being held back. And see, these are now what you see these guys going in the transfer portal three and four times to do is because you got, you're too young to have faith that, man, if I just keep working, you want to control it yourself. And the, the, you know, and, and God knows there are instances where kids get screwed because their coach isn't good to them or whatever, but by and large, I think that coach wants to put the best roster on the floor, no matter what sport you're playing. So the NIL, and I mean, look, everybody thinks that because this is Carolina or this is Duke or this is Kentucky or this is name your program, that those things can't creep in. But when money comes Mm -hmm. in, man, they creep in anywhere. They creep in on NBA teams, right? So Mm -hmm. um, I think that the NIL is is one of those things where it introduces, um, it introduces the real world to, you know, amateur athletics really. And so again, and I'm the first, we are both adamant about these kids getting paid. Absolutely. They deserve to get paid. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the, the, the reality of it is, is that's going to create like real world problems, which is some people aren't yeah. going to get along over it. So mm-hmm. again, same, like you just said, I got no, idea. I mean, all these guys seem perfectly content with each other to me. I don't have any insight, any, I'm not, not even suggesting that that is the case. I'm just saying in general, my thought toward NIL is like, Hey, everybody wants these kids to get paid. And then everybody asks, well, why is this dude in the transfer portal again? Well, he's in the transfer portal because he wants to get paid. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's never going to be, you're never going to find a perfect answer. And as human beings, we want everything to fit right in its place. And it just doesn't work that way. So, you know, the team, the one thing I'll say is that during a, a period there where everybody was sort of like, everybody's, you know, passing rumors around and everybody thinks they know something about what's going on or whatever. To me, outside looking in, it didn't look like there was any of that going on. So, um, you know, and that's that's important because one thing I would hate to see as an alum and as a fan is kids come to Carolina to play basketball and and lose out on the lifetime bond they're going to have with each other. Um, I don't have it. You have it. You understand it at a level I don't. I understand it at a level of like kind of being there. Um, but that's something that not a lot of people get. And and you're young, man. You don't want to burn that bridge before you ever had a chance to see where it'll take you. And sleepy, this is the greatest university in the world. And there's and the the Tar Heel connection, and I'm not just talking about athletics, the pride. And when you tell people you're a Tar Heel and you meet alums. I mean, it's a it's a sense of pride and it's also a, a sense of connection. And I don't mm-hmm. see that type of bond at other universities. I mean, it's a beautiful campus, beautiful weather, amazing people. And kids should also experience that as well. Mm-hmm. They should be a college kid and get to mingle and meet great other, you know, classmates and make friends across the whole board, not just be friends with, you know, your teammates, mm-hmm. get out, enjoy college, have a great time. and. <clears throat> That's part of 
why I think our teams really enjoyed it. Yeah, we were really, you know, we caught a lot of hype, but also, you know, I wasn't signing autographs when I was walking through the quad. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone pretty much knew who I was, but, you know, we'd play games and we'd go be a kid sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this NIL stuff, they're not, you know, they're putting too much pressure on themselves. Just be a kid, be a college yeah. kid, have fun, you yeah. know, do what college kids do. And, and get paid uh, to do it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, have fun playing basketball. If, if they looked at it to me as like, I'm going to go out there, hope, and just mm -hmm. win. Mm -hmm. I, I'm thinking with this season would be totally different. Yep, absolutely. And you, you mentioned it too early, and you personified it, especially for a fan like me. That stadium, dude, believe it or not, it was only the second Duke Carolina game I've ever been to. And the first one was the one where you got punched in the nose. I was uh, on a DTA. <laughs> uh, you walk in there, man, and you look around, and there's white people, black people, Democrats, Republicans, LGBTQ people that probably think that, you know, it didn't, none of that shit matters, man. Like you're in one place <laughs> for one reason. And it like, dude, it makes the hair. We just got our asses kicked hands down, dude, you know, and it still makes the hair stand up on your neck because you realize like what you're a part of. And yep. they, the, the, the seats were full. The, the place was ready. Uh, it was just like, you got to come in and just look around at that. And as a student and as a, you know, um, as a player, as, a, you know, anybody that has any, you're, you're all included on that. Everybody. Mm -hmm. So that's what makes mm -hmm. it so cool is, is every single one of us, you know, gets to share in that. And so that's one of the things that you hope these kids, cause you really don't, man, like, I mean, you don't, you're never going to fully, I don't think understand it until you're older. So it's just one of those things as I start to get older, I'm like, oh, yeah, I start to sound more and more like I'm getting older. And it's like, man, I hope I hope these kids understand what what they've had an opportunity to do. And at the end of the day, yeah, we're going to remember the teams that win. But nobody's going to look back and be like, God, I remember in 2023, March, you know, March 4th, we were when, or whatever day it was, when, uh, you know, we lost. Okay, like I might remember going to the game, but it's not going to impact my life in a negative way. You remember the wins, don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, in some ways, it's just a game, and that's a it's a hard thing to say. I mean, you you there's a lot of emotion tied to it. And a lot of people have a lot vested in it, and and for a lot of obvious reasons. But it's 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 a great atmosphere, and um, you know, like I said, if these kids take nothing away but that, they'll uh they'll have more than a lot of people ever have. Mm-hmm. Well, there, fucking. This is sad. Like a old Sarah McLaughlin song. Uh, postseason awards. So biggest question, you know, piggybacking on that is everybody's going to want to know who you got on the ACC first team, who's player of the year. Um, I'm just going to ask flat out, you got Armando on there or not? Yeah, he's his first team. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Armando Baycott, first team, all ACC, first here, Sleephawk Worldwide. Um, go ahead and break down the rest of your team, Big Hawk. Give us give us a little feedback on who you think's where, what, and why. And um, Yeah, you know. so first of all, before, I always really credit... Um, I award winning. And so it's hard for me to really, you know, when I vote for player of the year, I, I look at who's the best team and who I think is really deserving of uh, the player of the year. But um, so here I'm going, I'm going the ACC player of the year for me is Isaiah Wong. Um, I think he's had an unbelievable year. I don't think he plays selfish. I don't think he stat chases and Miami's, you know, split the regular season title with Virginia and I think they've done an unbelievable job. I uh, like their guards. Um, Jordan Miller, easily, it's a big debate between, you know, uh, Jamarius Burton, Jordan Miller, and Isaiah Wong. That's what it really came down with. Wong averaged, just to give everybody a view, 
16 points per game, four rebounds per game, three assists per game, uh, one and a half steals per game. Uh, he shot, let's see here, 30, basically 39% from the three-point line, 83% from the free throw line, and 45% from the field. I mean, that's, that's pretty good stats. Uh, that's pretty good efficiency as well. He's my player of the year. He dished out a lot of assists. Sleep. You talked about pre-podcast, you know, how well he shares the ball. He's my player of the year. And uh, then I'll just go down uh, for my first team, all ACC, Isaiah Wong, Jordan Miller, Miami, Jamarius Burton from Pittsburgh, Armando Baycott from UNC, and the last person, Kyle Filipowski from Duke. I um, think he deserves a lot of credit. Duke's been playing well. They're peaking. And to me, he's their best player. So that's that's my uh, my first team. That's all we did. And the coach of the year goes to Jeff Capel. Pitt came in. Uh, he was fighting for his basically uh, not to be fired. I, I don't think the perception around Pittsburgh basketball was great. He got Jamarius Burton in the transfer portal, did an unbelievable job. They took some early losses to some bad teams. He turned around uh, Pittsburgh, made him relevant. And uh, he almost had him uh, winning the outright ACC title, but they lost uh, you know a few games late. But I think he did a really good job. He beat us twice at home, and then at the Smiths there. Yeah, hard to argue with that. I'm not as um, probably um, not as much of a purist. So I went Burton Wong Appleby from Wake Forest. I've seen him play, just thought he was a great player. Armando and Traquavion Smith. Because I th- I think if you took Appleby or Smith off of those teams, their, their whole, uh, I think they were relevant and on mm-hmm. otherwise, made otherwise bad teams relevant. And, and, and NC State really had a chance um, you know, they cracked the top 25 at one point. They really had a chance, uh, you know, get a couple of wins that they didn't, that, that, that kind of got away from them to be much better. Um, a few weeks ago, I think Smith was probably in the conversation for a player of the year, but just the season just didn't end that way for the team. So I can't disagree with Wong. Um, Burton would have been a good pick too. You know, Armando, you got to win games. So we, we're going to hold everybody else's that, that level of accountability. We've got to look in the mirror too. So that's where I went there. What about player of the year? And, uh, We'll start there. Player, or you already went coach of the year. I'll go Lay- Laranega. Um, yeah, I just like that guy, man. I think some people don't like him. I just something about his demeanor and like kind of <laughs> how he's just like. I feel like he's just. I feel like he's like the last of a dying breed kind of coach. Like the guy that's like just older and on on the surface just seems to probably have nothing in common at all whatsoever with his players. Uh, and yet somehow uh, continues to to uh, develop really solid programs down there in Miami. He just seems likable to me, man. I'm, I don't know. Maybe he kind of a little bit looks like Larry David, and maybe that does it for He's me. He's got a little shit to him, Sleep. Yeah, man. I don't know if you saw early on when, uh, what's his name, Bayheim. Bayheim went in the year, oh, in yeah. the conversation for Coach of the Year. Good God. <laughs> How long is he going to drag Syracuse through the fire? Uh, but – the, the thing that I thought was hilarious is Bayheim came out with those comments talking about those teams buying players. Larinaga in Miami, they have a game on ESPN. Late in the game, Larinaga, purposely when the camera's on him, pulls out a big wad of money on a money <laughs> clip and then flips it out, looks at it, and puts it right back in his pocket. And it was right after Behan made those comments. And I thought it was great. A lot of there was a bait, whether he did it intentionally or not, 
but I Boom. thought it was just like, how would you not do it intentionally? Yeah, I, absolutely. All right. Actually, it's I thought just, it was amazing. Sleep dogs is absolute stone cold lead pipe lock, man. Jim Laranaga coach of the year, dude. How could you vote for anybody else? I mean, with cred like that, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, I've always liked it, dude. So, um, uh, and did you, did you tell us player of the year, your pick? Yeah. Isaiah Wong. Isaiah Wong. Sorry. I'll go Burton. Uh, cause I think, I think like you said, Pitts, Pitts had a great year and, and, and the, the player of the year has got to come from one of those two places unless, um, uh, and the one thing I'll say about Larry Nega too, is like, cause you get, you, you make a great case for Capel. And then of course, uh, Bennett is, is, um, you know, they're at Virginia and, you know, Virginia is like, at least in the last several years has been a sort of like preseason you know, Virginia winds up at the top of the standings. No one's like really surprised Duke Carolina, not in and up there means it's an open, open season for the rest of the league. And so when it's open season for the rest of the league, I kind of feel like Virginia is that next sort of tier. That's just like kind of got to be there and they are, but they didn't win it outright. And why didn't they win it outright? Cause, cause Laranaga put Miami up there too. So somebody had to seize control of a conference that was theirs for the taking and he did and they did. And that's why, um, I'll put him there. So before we get out of here, transition to the NBA, um, John Morant got to talk about this story. Cause it's like kind of taking the world by storm here. Sleep dog, not a John Morant fan. Don't really like the guy at first. I didn't like him because he's like, um, you know, this was a hot take for a long time, but when I was a kid, I didn't like Kobe either, but I didn't like Kobe, not because Kobe was trash or I didn't like his game or whatever. I just, he was like the nemesis to me. I was a LeBron fan. So I love LeBron. Therefore, I did not like Kobe. And, and, and John Moran was kind of that guy for me. Like, it wasn't that I like don't like John Morant as a person or something. It's just like, I, he was the guy I like to root against. He had like this swagger. He's always talking shit. And I was always kind of like, and I mean, there's always a tinge of like, yeah, I really don't like you regardless. But, you know, now he's just really like, dude, how in the world? Now I don't like him at all, period. But so for those who don't know, the guy's like accused of like beating up a 17 year old accused. I got no idea what really happened. Um, and then in light of it, and there's this whole thing with the uh, was it the Pacers or some other Detroit or somebody they're playing? Yeah, some one guy, of those. Yeah, Pacers. A guy in his Pacers. camp pointing a gun laser at these guys. It's like, dude, what are you doing? And then, um, and the latest is he's at the strip club after they lose. I think night before last, showing his gun mm -hmm. on Instagram Live, dude. Like, first of all, I hope this dude, no matter whether I like him or not, I hope this dude figures it out because he's got the world in the palm of his hands. I mean, he's a hell of a basketball player. Uh, I'll argue that he's not as good as people say he is, but I'm sure he really cares what I have to say about it. It's just like, you mean, you can't, you can't take this and, and throw it in the trash. And, and, um, I mean, you can, but you're going to be sorry someday. You're going to wind up on a 30 for 30 and everybody's going to be like, yeah, I remember that guy. I don't know, man. Does it remind you of anybody you ever seen kind of a, you know, you've had NBA experience and probably dealt with some guys that are young and knuckleheads. John Moran's like, I went to a private school or some shit when he was a kid. Like, dude, put, come on. The biggest problem I've got is like, dude, you got kids. Like you're, you're, you are the new age guy. So you got kids looking up to you. And there's a level of responsibility that whether you ask for it or not, you have, and you can't do shit like this when you have that burden. And that's the part where I draw the line. I think it's dumb in general. Like, dude, who are you trying to impress? But where the line really gets crossed is like, you got to be aware that you're a role model for people. Yet maybe you didn't ask for it. Maybe you don't want it. But it's a responsibility that comes along with the success that you have worked hard to earn. 
but also been afforded in a lot of ways. And that's where I just can't, you know, I can't make exceptions for him, man. Um, listen, John Moran is headed down a bad path. And I was drafted by the Pacers, and the Pacers had a lot of issues. There was a guy named Jamal Tinsley who was – there was multiple shootings, whatever. It was an awful look. And the Pacers ended up having to – basically, they had a contract, and they just told him, go home, we'll pay you. I think it was it was in the ballpark of $10 million to not be part of the team. Now, Jaws much better than Jamal Tinsley. I'm not making that comparison. Um, but Jaws not good enough and nobody is to carry themselves the way he's been carrying himself lately. Uh, I, I, I do think uh, as you, you know, go up and you become a great athlete, you can't, you, you will be under the microscope and whether you like it or not, you are a role model and you've got to carry yourself um, as a professional on and off the court, whether you like it or not. And you will not get the benefit of the doubt uh you shouldn't be in those places after mm-hmm. a loss in a strip club as one of the best players in the NBA in the face of the NBA, uh, up and coming face. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't even be in a strip club. And then just to have your, you know, a, a gun out being videotaped dancing. That is to me sleep. That is just mind blowing. That is mind. I think about like, even if you are somebody uh, of that status is where like, you're so well known that you just, no matter where you go, like to me, I consider John Morant, you know, he can go anywhere in the U.S. and people are going to know who he is. Mm-hmm. Why would you ever let somebody film you and then have a gun and dance with it? Yeah. Why would you have people in your entourage that would carry a gun and point it at people? Why would you even have, to me, uh, people, bad character people in your entourage? Why would you associate with that? And you have such an opportunity uh, to do great things, you are you're so gifted and talented. Maximize that. Don't surround yourself. Don't make money and then become this weird person that does all these bad things. And then, you know, you're you're, you're sitting back when you're 50, you know, regretting some of the decisions you made and wish you would have taken it more serious. You got a chance to bring a championship to a Memphis team. I can't even remember the last time Memphis was rele- relevant. Mm-hmm. And listen, I'm from. I'm about two hours from Memphis. They ain't never been good at basketball and they got a chance to be really relevant, a contender. And you're doing all this bullshit. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I don't like it. Sleep. I'm a big component of, listen, you gotta, you gotta carry yourself in a professional way off the court, off the field, whatever. You gotta be an example to, uh, the younger generation kids, whatever. You gotta be a great role model to the community and to younger kids. Uh, if you are, in that position. And I, I just, I don't like it because, you know, it's all this stuff, like guns aren't cool, man. It's not to be flaunting and doing all this yeah. other stuff and to be, you know, it's, it's not a getting cool points because, Hey, I got a gun. I'm dancing in a strip club. No, nah, man, hey, it's, it's an awful look. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's just magnified because of, you know, because of who he is, but also because of who he is to so many kids flat out, man, that that need a better role model. And he's got an opportunity to be that. And I think in a lot of ways, to be fair, he is. Um, you know, you could probably argue that he's still a kid himself, but he'll be 24 years old in August, I just saw here. So, I mean, look, man, it, there's a level of maturity that I certainly didn't reach until I was older. But like, 
you know, it's it's kind of required when you when you have all this money thrust on you, and 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 it seems to me like he's surrounding himself with some people that, and and it's it's good to see silver lining of all this is some of these uh you know former NBA guys that you would imagine could be or or are maybe mentors to him, you know, kind of coming up and trying to say, hey, listen, man, like. You want to be empathetic with him because obviously something's up, man. He if, he if he doesn't understand, even in the moment, even if you're just blasted drunk at the bar, like, and you don't realize in the moment that you can't do that, uh, you need some people to help you, to help you realize that you can't do that. And uh, and everybody everybody makes mistakes. We've seen, we've seen a lot of hard-headed people uh, with a lot of talent waste things, and we've seen a few turn things around. So hopefully, uh, like, my my affinity for John Morant is, extends ex- exclusively to my disdain for him on the basketball court. John Morant, the person, I hope, figures out what he's doing is wrong and, uh, and can correct it as quickly as possible. Um, Gotta hold the heels, man. <laughs> ACC Championship Week is always fun because it's spring, man, and here it comes. We're gonna we're gonna have it. So at this point, as fans, we're just like the team. We got to take it one game at a time and enjoy it while it lasts because we might not have much left of it. Um, so we'll see what happens. One thing's for sure: we do control our own destiny. It's a, it's a there's a path to get there. So let's just hope we take it. You got anything else, Big Hawk? Stay safe. Stay safe.